Morning, morning. Italians kiss on both sides of the cheek. Please be seated. It's, it's so good not to see you. I mean, to see you. <laughs> it's a bit dark at the moment, but I'll see you in a moment. But it's so good to be with you. And my heart is overwhelmed this morning because it wasn't that long ago that the doctors had told me that I might not have long. That was five years ago now. And uh, they said I'd be on immunotherapy for most of my life. That's also stopped now. And so the doctors can't find any cancer in my body anymore. So to stand in front of God's people is an amazing privilege, an amazing privilege. And I feel I've got so much prophetic thoughts for you this morning. We'll see if we'll get to the message. We will get to the message. Uh, When worship is authentic, like this morning, God speaks during that worship. I've always got a pen in my pocket, a piece of paper ready to write. And I wrote this during the worship. This morning, we're not a gathering here, but this morning we are team build. We are team build. This is one big godly staff meeting this morning. And every one of you are on team. And I welcome you to the team build a church that's going to build for generations, a church that is called to not just believe, but to behave what it believes. And out of that belief and behavior, there is a huge build. Every time we gather like this, God will always sift to shift to lift. That's what He does every time. The sift is not to hurt, the sift is to heal and to raise us up to the purpose that He has for us as His disciples. This morning, I believe God wants this church to come together to get ready and rise to a next level. There's a next level and there'll be more levels after that because where there is authentic church right now, God is breathing on that. You know, um, a lot of people have been confused over COVID and all the things that have happened and Not that long ago, I was reading Ezekiel 37, which I've read a thousand times. And we have all heard many sermons I've preached here out of Ezekiel 37. But the part that got me is God said to me, I wanna use the people that know how to live in the I don't know. Ezekiel, God says to him, can these bones live? He goes, I don't know, but you know. We can live in the I don't know when we know the one who does know. And through COVID and everything that's happening, a lot of Christians, I don't know, churches deconstructing, large churches are not in anymore. Everything's going to small. And I remember when all this stuff was flying around the world, God showed me that verse and goes, can you trust me in the I don't know? Because I'm the God that does know and just wait for me to breathe. And all you gotta do is prophesy on what I'm breathing on, and then we'll find out what He really knows and what He's really building. Son of man, stand up. The church has been sitting down on the inside for a while, but the devil has this issue I call the oops factor. The devil always tries to attack more. He goes overboard and goes, oops, shouldn't have done that. And right now, the enemy through the media and all sorts of other voices, is just about to step over the line with the oops factor. 
He's going to push the church just that little bit too hard and the church is going to rise up, not in religion, but in a true expression of who Jesus Christ really is. And we are going to see the greatest harvest the church has ever seen. You know, I believe that this is an amazing house, not because Mark's my friend. In fact, we used to be prayer partners. Back in paradise days, we used to have prayer triplets, but only the two of us got together. Daddy worked that out. And we, had, we used to pray together. They used to call me Elijah and him Elisha. So they nicknamed, nicknamed us Jar and Shah. So Jar and Shah are getting together to pray. And we used to love getting together at my house at Mobbury North and pray together. And, and as I was in the worship today, I think, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about discipleship. But you know what a true disciple is? There's only three evidences that really stand out in the Bible to me of what a disciple is. And I believe this is a discipling house. It's a house that shows these three things. By this shall all men know you're my disciples. By the love you share one with another. There's an unusual anointing on this house for biblical unity. There's an unusual anointing on this house for loving one another. John 15, if you bear fruit, you are my disciples. Love, fruit, but then the third one is if you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll be my disciples. John 15 is continuance. The three evidences of being a disciple is just love, fruit, and continuance. So before I go any further, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you, Mark and Nina, for your continuance. Thank you so much that we don't give up when challenges come. Through losing a son, through another son breaking down, through being involved in many deacon-possessed churches, I mean, <laughs> where sometimes you watch Christians behave and you think, how on earth can you do that stuff? And sadly, but gladly, my calling right now is to go into difficult church situations. I go, thank you, Lord. I was 19 years old at Paradise Church where I got prophesied over that I would have a binding together anointing in. I thought, what does that mean? Do I have to take more Wheaties or, you know, <laughs> what does binding together? Everybody else was gonna be evangelist, world changing. I'm just gonna bind together. It didn't sound that exciting at 19. But right now, my life calling is to work with churches across all different abominations, I mean denominations. <laughs> and everything I'm working with is negativity. And yet in the midst of all that, I see God raise up a people that are not just a crowd, but they are a group of disciples who know what love is, what bearing fruit means, and what continuance. And you know, those things don't have to be feelings this morning, they can be decisions. I've made a decision that I can't lead what I don't love. I can't lead what I can't read. We're not here this morning doing a half a dozen gigs. We're here to love God's people. You can't love, you can't lead. And I don't know why this has happened to me. Maybe it's old age. You know, as you get older, there's things you can't eat, there's things you can't drink. 
man, I, I'm finding this, you know, exercise is really hard. I fell down the stairs the other day and I thought to myself, I've got to be positive. This is the fastest I've moved in years. <laughs> you think, my goodness. I was talking to this young guy the other day and he said, I was talking to my granddad. And I said, granddad, every time you look at grandma, you call her gorgeous, beautiful, stunning, love. He goes, how have you done this all these years? He goes, I forgot her name five years ago and uh, I'm too scared to ask her. So I just say all those other things. I'm a little bit like that at the moment. So for me now, one of the anointings I carry is bad dad jokes. You know, the police knocked on my door the other day and said, did you realise your dogs are running, going up and down the street on bikes, chasing people on bikes up and down the street and the street's really upset. And I said, well, they can't be my dogs because my dogs don't have bikes. So (laughs) bad, bad dad jokes. But all jokes aside, God is doing something awesome right now. He's building His church. I was praying one day and He said, I'm building my church, not yours. And I go, I better get on board with what He's building. And I believe I'm standing today before a people that I can genuinely call team build. There's an anointing on this house to build well, to build generationally, and to build consistently, and to build continually. And so what I wanna share today, I believe will get hold of your heart. And I'm gonna tell you now, if we get a moment at the end, I'm gonna release us to pray for one another and actually encourage one another into team build and say, you know, God doesn't wanna work with anybody that has to. He only wants to work with those that want to. And what I was about to tell you, which I forgot, which is part of getting older, is that I don't know what happened to me about six months ago. I've been mentoring a bunch of ex-drug kids and some that are still struggling with drugs. And one guy comes to my house, he's pretty scary. He's covered from head to toe in tats and he's had a really wild life. And, and I've been mentoring this guy and he got his first Bible. So he rings me and he goes, there's something wrong with this Bible. He goes, because all of a sudden it turns to red. And he goes, how come it goes from black and white to red? Brand new Christian. And I said, oh, red. The red bits are the words of Jesus. And I said, why don't you come over once a week to my house? We'll open up the red bits. And we'll go through all the words that Jesus spoke. And we'll just go through the red bits. So we've been meeting quite regularly and I'm the one that's been affected the deepest, being walking with Jesus for 50 years. The red bits are gripping my heart. And the love of God has absolutely affected me deeply. Nina and I grew up in the same church. My dad used to pastor one of those Italian churches. You've heard me talk about it before. We had the ambulance that used to be at the back. My auntie, when she felt the presence of God, she go, He said, I can't bring my friends to church. The ambulance is gonna go off. We used to have a railing at the front. We used to hire an Anglican church on Sunday afternoons. My auntie was under the power of God, shaking this thing. My father says, what are you doing, Amelia? She goes, leave me alone. I've got the devil by the horns. I've got the devil by the horns in Italian. But we grew up in this, we're never good enough for God. We never really heard about the love of God. We heard about the rules you have to obey to follow God. 
But in the last 50 years, I've been impacted by the amazing love of God. But recently, it's come alive in me. And you know what? The Holy Spirit's been saying things like this to me. When you leave a room, Danny, do people feel closer to Jesus because you've been there? When you leave a room, do people feel closer to God's family because you've been in that room? I'm reading 1 Corinthians 13 to get ready for a wedding, which is the wedding scripture, which it's not really. And I'm realising that if I don't have love, I'm nothing. I put my name in there. Danny is kind. Danny is patient. Well, he's not in the traffic. I'm driving down the road one day and I'm really angry because cars are cutting me off. And then the Holy Spirit said, stop behaving like this. And a car was trying to get out of a shopping centre. So I stopped and let him through. I felt so spiritual. I felt, oh, I'm learning really quick. I'll get to the message in a minute. Sunday morning in church, guy taps me on the shoulder and said, Pastor Danny, you really practice what you preach. The other day you stopped and let me through and you didn't know it was me. And I'm thinking, how many people have noticed me before when I didn't stop and I was losing my call and probably followed me into the car park at church. But I was gripped by the fact that we're all a work in progress, but it's the love of God that compels us. It's the love of God that helps us to continue and do the building that we do. And we're not here to encourage you to build, to get on board with a vision. We're getting you to build, to get on board with Jesus. And as you get on board with Jesus, the church has a purpose. And as we build that purpose together, all that God wants to happen will happen in the church, in our lives, in our families, as we surrender to building His way. Now, I got rid of all that. Now we'll preach. Okay, no. 2 Kings chapter 6. Now this is really funny. Part of my senior moments. When Mark asked me to speak, I felt this sense to speak out of this passage. So a few days ago, probably a week and a half ago, I went to find the notes in my old Bible in the margin. I'd written them in the margin of my Bible when God first gave me this revelation. I took a photo of it and I don't know how it ended up on Instagram. It just ended up on Instagram. And I go, what what did I press? What happened? Next minute, all these people are liking it. And Pastor Mark likes it. And he goes, that would go down really well at the conference. And I'd already decided to do it. What's really funny is tomorrow night, I'm going to speak one thought out of every chapter of the book of Nehemiah. I had no idea that he was speaking out of that. But I'm I'm only gonna speak on one chapter, but I'm just gonna mention the others. And I'm going, when God speaks like that, he doesn't have a speech impediment. God's trying to say something. And so tomorrow night, I'm gonna share the church that I see of what God is calling us to build. But this morning, who builds and how do we build? Second Kings chapter six. This passage of scripture, nearly 30 years ago, completely changed my leadership pattern. God's called me to build patterns from the Word and this changed my leadership pattern and I wanna share it with you. Team emerged this morning. So I'm treating everyone in this room, you're not just attending a conference, we are a team, you are part of the team and we're gonna look at the responsibility of leadership and the responsibility of the team. Second Kings chapter six, one day, the group of the prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, the place where we meet with you is too small. 
Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them when they arrived at the Jordan. They began cutting down trees, but as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? The man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. I remember the first time I read that in this context of leadership. I'd never pastored a church before. I'd been on team God began to illuminate from Scripture patterns that have kept me all these years. At 67, now I can look back and see what worked and what didn't. I can test whether God said or whether He didn't. There is a good looking back. Not all, good look, not, not all looking back is good, but there's a looking back at the promises of God. The things that God said would happen. And I had the privilege of leading Edge Church for over 20 years and the Word of God became my best friend. The greatest pattern, I'm not a great reader of lots of books, uh, I'm not a great reader overall, but I found the Word of God became such a clear pattern for me. And see, patterns are different than fads. They're different than trends because biblical patterns will last in every season. They will work no matter what's happening in the world. They will work in any nation, whether it's a third world nation or, or whether it's a poor nation or a rich nation, his patterns really, really work. If you're taking notes, I'm just going to give you an overview of what this chapter showed me. It showed me the prophetic. It showed me a positive people. It showed me practicality. It showed me process. I know it's God because it all starts with P. Okay, process. Personal responsibility. Passion. Productivity. And partnership. Father, I pray over this house this morning that this house will know what it means to be led prophetically. To have this positive faith posture that says God can. Thank you, Lord, that this house can be a practical house that we're happy to get our hands dirty as we heard last night. Thank you, Lord, that this church is not in a hurry to get everything done overnight, but a house that's willing to go on the process. Thank you, Lord, that it's a house of personal responsibility where each one of us can take our own pole and start building out of our God shape. Thank you for the passion in the house. Thank you for the productivity through the house. And thank you for the partnership, not just here, but overseas in Cambodia and other places as we build the kingdom together. Before I go through what qualities Pastor Elisha brought to the table and what qualities the leaders brought, it is my conviction this morning that the church is built on three anointings. Number one, proven apostolic leadership. I believe there's a change coming in the Western world about leadership. God is raising plurality of elders. 
that can speak into vision so we don't have one person declaring the word of the Lord and everybody has to get on board without accountability. We've seen what's happened around our world because of some of those wrong patterns. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Us is the spirit of team under prophetic, proven apostolic leadership. Secondly, a prophetic team, which is who I'm speaking to today. And thirdly, personal God shape. The day of plugging holes is over where we have a hole in a church to be plugged and who can fill it? And sometimes the wrong person does the role, they burn out and people fall apart. Every one of you in this room has been put on the planet for a purpose. And it's the role of leadership to uncover, to help you discover what is my God shape? Why has God put me on the planet? And then you decide, the individual, I decide, how will I give my God shape to God? whether it's in business like we heard last night or to be a teacher or in the life of the church. But it's not for me to say, as for me in my house, you'll serve the Lord. As for me in my house, I'll serve the Lord. Every one of us is gonna stand before God one day and give an account for how we serve God with the gifts that He gave us. So as leaders, our calling in this new era, and I'm prophesying this morning, in this new era is to help people uncover who God made them to be. And as we release people into their God shape, the purpose of God will be fulfilled. So it's not pushing people to fulfill a role, but it's inviting people to grow in their God shape and find the joy of what it means to follow and serve Jesus. And so as I look at this story in 2 Kings 6 that became such an incredible word to me, is what was Elisha like as a leader? I just realised they called us Jar and Shah and now I'm speaking about Shah. It just hit me. This must be a prosthetic word this morning. Yeah, okay. Elisha the leader. Number one, he imparted vision clearly. He imparted vision clearly. How do I know that? Because they respected him. They wanted to be with him and they wanted to grow with him. There was a clear impartation they came to Elisha and they said, we see what you see. I believe there's a synergy of seeing in this house. I believe this house is never gonna have a spirit of division where people see differently. There's gonna be a seeing at the Elisha level and then the school of the prophets, team emerge, seek the Lord and say, we see what you see. We actually see what you see. And so they said, let us, See what you see and build. He imparted vision clearly. Number two, he wasn't insecure. He let people under him come up with vision. You know, he didn't say, well, I'm the leader and when God tells me, that's when we'll do it. They came up with vision. He goes, okay, bring it on, let me hear. That's a secure leader. That lets people under him come up with vision. He wasn't insecure. But number three, he'd earned the right to be heard. I don't say this boastfully today, I really don't, God forgive us. But I think Pastor Mark and myself served in the same church. For 21 years I served Pastor Andrew Evans and never had a plan B. Pastor Mark, you did the same. And we worked for other people and so people can see that what we preach is an authentic expression 
of all that we've experienced in trusting our God. I never wanted my own church. I was happy to be with Pastor Andrew for the rest of my life. I was sent, not went. Because when you went, you have ability, but when you're sent, you have authority. And so they wanted to work with him. They wanted to grow with him. They wanted to work with him because they'd seen him at Bethel. They'd seen him at Jericho. And they'd seen him at Jordan following another man's vision. I've been saying to pastors all over this nation, if we're asking people to say yes to us, who can say no to us? Because if you're a leader that no one can say no to, what right have we got to ask people to say yes to what we say? Because everybody needs to be accountable. And they saw Elisha show his authenticity in the way he followed Elijah. He was flexible. Hey guys, go and do it. You've come up with a vision, go and do it, I trust you. And they recognised the need of having the senior apostolic voice over them. They couldn't do this alone. I'm stopping here and saying this. When people go and plant churches only with peers and there's no dads around, what happens after a while, the peers get annoyed with each other and they end up splitting that church, starting another one and we call it church growth. We need fathers. I prophesy this is the new era of intergenerational working together, where every generation, we need grandpastors, we need fathers, we need sons and daughters, we need grandkids. It's the family of God, not in one generation, but right across all generations. So he'd heard the right to be heard, he was flexible, he was teachable. He let others, number five, he was teachable, flexible, number four. He let others under him speak to him. Number six, he developed people. You notice when a guy loses his axe head, it was a borrowed anointing. He lo- a lot of people building out of borrowed anointings now. In Luke chapter 12, verse one, Jesus is being mobbed by the crowd. People falling over each other. And he says to the disciples, don't worry about them, just have a listen to me right now. Watch out for the hypocrisy of the Pharisees because the day's coming where everything that's in secret will be revealed. Everything that's done in the dark will be brought to the light. And if you look up that word hypocrisy, there's different meanings in the original Greek, but it's like being an actor on a stage. And I wanna say today, God is cleaning all that up right now because he's building his church, not bashing his church. He actually loves his church. And it's the love of God that's gonna draw people back. The want to, not to, the have to. Present your body. Romans 12 is my life chapter. It's, built to, it's, it's written to the Italians, so it's really good to the Romans, you know. And so it's my life chapter. In view of what he's done for you, present your body to God as a living sacrifice. I never came to Jesus because he does stuff. I came to Jesus at 11 years of age because I had a revelation of who He is. So when my son dies, I still know who He is. When things go wrong, I still know who He is. The number of Christians through COVID, where was God? Well, if you come to God because of what He does, you're gonna get into trouble because you're not gonna know how to live in the I don't know. But when you know who He is, that's a different story. 
And so I've been meeting, I'm getting off track, but I've been meeting, uh, that's not usual for me. Uh, I've been meeting with a bunch of unchurched people, unsaved. I've also been meeting with a group of young people who have left the church. And they are saying, I don't believe in God anymore. So I've been having lunch with them. I take them to my favourite Italian place because that's the first step to getting them back to God. <laughs> and they come up with all the stuff they've been watching online. And then they get a bit mixed up with a guy called Jordan Peterson because he's sort of coming back to God. And they're all confused. And I'm going, look, can I share with you my non-negotiables? You see, I live in the world of I don't know. I can't tell you why my son was taken at the age of 39 by a lightning strike. When we landed here yesterday and there was possible lightning strike and I'm on the plane and that whole memory come flooding back and it's dark outside the window of the plane and I'm sitting there and a, a, a level of not depression but heaviness came over me. And you go over and over it in your mind but you see, I've got some non-negotiables that I could never, ever change. And so when my son died, the non-negotiables was there. So I say to these young people, let me tell you, I'm okay with the I don't knows. There's so much in life I don't know. But can I share with you my do knows, the things I do know that I will die for. So one of them says to me, um, I know it's being recorded. I was going to tell you who it was, but that's okay. I won't tell it to you from the platform. I'll tell you after. Because this guy's grandfather was an outstanding preacher. And he says to me, every time I talk to you, I come with my head ready and then you mess with my heart. Three or four weeks ago, he came back to the Lord. Last Sunday, he played drums in church. I mean, how good's that? Not because I had all the answers. But he's got a girlfriend who obviously he met when he wasn't walking with the Lord. And he says, can I bring her to see you? She wants to know about your non-negotiable convictions. Friends, we need a Christianity that doesn't just touch me, feel me, give me. For, that's fine. And we have those moments, as I said here last time when I prophesied over the conference you had last time, when, when I said the moment has to turn to movement that turns into momentum. You remember that? And I believe we need a, a solid Christianity that if Jesus doesn't answer anything under the sun below heaven for us the way we want, we have a guaranteed eternity. We live from eternity and I have non-negotiables. Jesus is God. The resurrection is real. Jesus said he would build his church. You can deconstruct it all you like. Jesus will just put a new building on that piece of land and he'll keep building his church. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Elisha developed the people under him and when the guy lost his axe head, Elisha didn't say, you're a flippin' idiot. You shouldn't have borrowed that thing. You should have had your own axe. He didn't get a sermon. He didn't get a lecture. He said, where'd you lose it? It's amazing how many people come for counselling these days that what they tell me is not the real issue. And so I have to get to the spot. Where did you lose it? What really happened, and Elisha did the supernatural bit that made the axe head float, but then told the guy to pick it up. What an incredible leader that knew how to nurture 
and how to nudge. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul says, like a mother, I would gather you. I wanted to gather you. That's the nurture. Like a father, I would urge you. That's the nudge. And we need a church today that starts with a shepherd's heart and loves that we know when to nurture and when to nudge. But the nudge comes from a heart of nurture. It doesn't come from control. It comes out of covering and contributing to that person's well-being in God. And I believe that's where we're going. That's the church that we want to see. And so he asked the right questions. Number seven, he asked the right questions. Where did you lose your axe head? And number eight, he walked with his people. Do you know there was a time, even in the Pentecostal world, where if you were known as a pastor, it wasn't as important as a real big leadership gift. It's like it was a negative to be a pastor. Think, how dumb can you be and still breathe? Honestly, I mean, you know, sorry, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't very pastoral. That, that just slipped. That was the devil made me say that. <laughs> pastor. Every elder in the Bible is called shepherd the flock. Everything starts with loving people. And there was a time that Pastor Mark and I would be criticised for the same thing. Oh, they're so pastoral. They stand at the door and shake hands. One pastor says to me, oh, you hug everybody and love everybody. That's why they want to follow you. And I said, well, what, do I, what else can I do? Be, be rude? Do you want me to be rude and just ignore people? You think? And I'm going to say something because I think the wisdom in the, this room can handle it and the maturity is I was in prayer a couple of years ago and the Lord said in the charismatic world, I mean the charismatic world, mainly the Pentecostal world, we spent 30 years talking about leadership and in the process we lost levels of lordship. I'm all for leadership. But if it doesn't flow from lordship. So let me prophesy again today three eras of the church. Nina and I grew up in our early years, and she's a lot younger than me, but with legalism. And it literally destroyed our lives. Then we went into a season of liberalism where cheap grace, you know, God will forgive you, no worries, no matter what you do, you know, it's all, it's all grace. But the same grace that saves is the same grace that sets us free, sets us up to look like Jesus. It's the same grace. And so we went down this line of, Gift over character. So someone can leave a church in a major moral mess up and end up on stage at another church the following Sunday leading worship. And then we can't tell the difference between magic and miracles. Simon the sorcerer tried to buy a gift. He couldn't tell the difference between real miracles and magic. And the Lord said, I'm about to set my church free from magic they think of miracles. Because God never overrides character just to promote a gift. But then he said, we're about to move into this third dispensation or era or chapter of the church, whichever word you wanna use, and we're in it right now, post-COVID, and that is a new era of love and lordship. And that's the true definition of holiness, is love and lordship. I love the Lord, I want Him to be my Lord. I love Him, I want Him to lead my life in the places that are best for me. And at 67 years of age, I've come to this place where Nearly every morning as I read the, read the red bits, I discover that nothing works unless it started with love. So God says to me, Danny, don't get involved in any conversation with people 
unless you go to Ephesians 5.21 first, which says, out of your love for Christ, submit to one another. So when I go into a church and there's fighting and going on, I go, listen, do we all want to submit to God? So do we all want to get God's answer? Because there's four sides to every story. The two opposing sides. The third is everybody else's opinion. And the fourth is the truth. How do we get to the truth if we're not submitted to one another and say, you share how you see it. I share how I see it. People are saying this, but what's God saying? And how do we, out of love for Christ, submit to one another? We should be the best conflict resolvers on the planet. Every second Wednesday, I work for a flooring company, a carpet company in Adelaide. When they first asked me, I was totally floored. But anyway, <laughs> there's about, <laughs> there's more coming, but stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you probably know the owner, Bruno Iannucci. So Bruno asked me to come and work for his carpet company and he's a Christian, but the people working there are not churchgoers and some of them have Catholic background. I went for a few weeks. I've been there for nearly two years. The fact that I bring cannolis and cakes sometimes helps. <laughs> but I go into that place and I teach on conflict resolution, how to find your life shape, how to work in team, and then he allows me to spend one hour per person to talk about their personal life. And I've been able to share the gospel. People, tears running down their face. Pastor Danny, my children have identity issues. Pastor Danny, my daughter's best friend just committed suicide. And I'm sitting in that office and I'm sorry to say this, but out of everything I do, I love that the most because I'm talking to unchurched people and I'm watching the light go on and realise that the gospel is the answer. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, our nation's lost their way. Our nation has their own truth. You have your own truth now and people don't know truth and they don't have life. And as I sit there and I share the gospel, I don't give a religious talk, but I talk about what Jesus did for me. And they say, how can you still believe in God when your son was killed? And I then open up scripture and I share show them the scriptures God gave me when Chris passed away and they sit back and they go, wow, but they don't use the word wow. They use another word and they go, oh, S-H. And they go, what happened? And then tears start rolling down their face as I share the reality of who God really is. You see, I'm not gonna waste my pain. When Christians don't waste their pain and bless with their pain and build with their pain, no devil in hell can stop the church of Jesus Christ. So what kind of leaders were the team? Who were the team? Number one, they had vision, vision and initiative. They had vision and initiative. Hey, we see what you see. There's nothing worse for a pastor to have a congregation that tells him what all the problems are. I said to our church many years ago, find all the problems you can in this church. Please do. But come to me with the answers. Don't dump your monkey on my desk. You know, come and bring the answers 
Because if God can show you the problem, he can show you the answer. And these guys saw a problem. We needed a bigger place. We needed to expand. And they didn't get negative. They go, we see what you see. And we've got vision for what you see. We've got a pattern for what you see. They had vision and initiative, which number two means they had a positive attitude. Do you know, I've been so powerfully impacted by the Lord's Prayer after 67 years. Heard every sermon you could hear about the Lord's Prayer. But God spoke to me personally. He says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Danny, start every day with gratefulness. Start every day by thanking him. Thank you, Lord, that I had my son for 39 years. I won't be alive another 39. I was alive with him more than I'll ever be without him. Thank you, Jesus. And then someone sent me a text. I said, Pastor Danny, I've been studying the Lord's Prayer. I go, freak me out. He said, do you know the same place in your brain that engages in gratefulness and thankfulness can't engage anxiety? Those two things can't be in your brain at the same time. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And start with a heart of thankfulness and it makes me start the day with a positive attitude. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rechoice in the Lord always. It's a rechoice every day. Because I'm working with negative stories in churches and when you go into those situations, you become the enemy. Half the church think I'm the fourth member of the Trinity and the other half think I'm from the devil himself. And you gotta have a positive attitude. Number three, they saw their own personal responsibility. Let each one of us. So they understood the power of us they understood the power of you, the apostolic leader, but they understood each one of us has a pole to put in the ground. We all have a gift to bring to the table. They saw their personal responsibility. They recognised the power of team. And this morning I woke up, I usually wake up about, someone said, how do you sleep these days? I said, like a baby, I wake up every two hours. And so <laughs> I um, woke up early and I felt this was for you. I took the word team and I did an acronym with the word team. T is about together. We're in this thing together. No one's more important than anybody else. And I know Pastor Mark believes that out of, out of conviction, not out of just being nice. Together, E stands for encourage. We're all meant to encourage each other as a team. A stands for affirmation. We need to encourage each other in our personal walk. You know, I've got to move, I'm nearly done, but I did a funeral about four weeks ago. Tanya Bayless, do you remember her? She passed away with cancer. Now, this is the amazing, she hasn't been to church for 30 years. I'm at a wedding and her and her husband are sitting next to me. Now we don't like church, we, we, we've been out of church. And I turned to her, I didn't know she had cancer. And I said, you know, Tanya, he's the God of new beginnings. And I don't like things in church either, but God, you know, God said he would build his church. You, you, you don't go into a gym and see all these large people like me and go, what are they doing here? <laughs> what on earth are they doing here? Uh, because 
they need help and they need to get fed. You don't walk into a hospital and go, this thing is full of sick people. What are all these sick people doing in a hospital? Because that's where they're meant to be. So what makes you think that when you go to church, it's not gonna be a hospital, it's not gonna be a community of broken people that all need the help of what that house can bring? And so I'm talking to her about the church isn't perfect, but Jesus said he would build it. And it's for people that are broken but open. The church is not good people in the church, bad people outside. The church is full of broken people that are open going, I need this hospital. I need Jesus. I need what he can do through this community called the church. I said, in fact, I'm preaching on that subject next Sunday, the God of New Beginnings, because I'm coming. So her and her husband came and I changed my sermon that morning. So afterwards she goes to me, you didn't preach on it. I said, I'm so sorry. My son runs a mission in Port Adelaide. So they came down to the mission. And as I'm sitting with her, the Holy Spirit said, this is the last time you're gonna see her alive. Three or four days later, she passed. They asked me to do the funeral. We're at the gravesite. And we're at the gravesite and they are all bawling their eyes out. Just the pain of the loss. She was only 52, I think 53. And I had my arm around the family strong as an ox. And then I turned around. And as I walked back to my car across a laneway, I realised my son's grave was there. That's okay. Just tell them they can call me later and I'll respond to their request. No No problem. It's all good. So I crossed the lane and there's my Chris's grave. I stood at his grave and just lost it. And I'm bawling my eyes out and I'm going, God, this hurts. Seven years later, five minutes ago, I'm comforting somebody else's pain. Now I've got my own pain. And I'm just standing there bawling. I'm keeled over. I can see his photo. His stone had had sort of dust on it and I wiped it. The next minute I felt an arm around me. I looked up and it was my cousin who lives in Sydney who'd come back to Adelaide for two days and decided that day to go to his dad's grave in the same cemetery and saw me from a distance, never spoke a word. He just came and put his arm around me and cried with me. And the Holy Spirit said, sometimes, Danny, we've got to give comfort and sometimes we need it. And that's the church. If we all came all needing comfort on the same Sunday, if we all needed the church to be a hospital all on the same Sunday, there'll be no one to nurse us or look after us. But every Sunday, people are gonna walk in, some needing comfort and others need to give comfort. And when the church becomes that kind of team that knows I'm coming to church every Sunday and I'm bringing my pole, I'm bringing what God's called me to plant with, who can I encourage today? I've been working at Life Adelaide with Pastor Tony Rainbow who preached here last Sunday. I've been there three years and every Sunday I sit in the foyer around a table and people can just come and talk. Just pray with people, have a coffee. Let me tell you, there's a realness that's in this house, but it's not everywhere. And I pray, don't ever think that that's less than what it should be, that's higher than the natural things of having the right lights, the right smoke, the right, the right the PA working well every time. Can we come to church one day and the PA doesn't work and we still do church? 
can we come to church one day and things aren't all going the way they should and we still one another? The church for the last 30 years has paid people to do what the body should be doing with one another. There's so many one another's in the Bible that doing church online ain't gonna cut it. But that's for another day. And so I want the musicians to come, thanks. So the dream team had vision and initiative, a positive attitude. They saw their personal responsibility. They recognized the power of team, led us. So together was together, encourage, affirm, and M stands for mend. I nearly forgot. M stands for mend. You know, we should be the best reconcilers on the planet. I'm bringing to that carpet company what I've learned in the Bible. I've been talking about my Greek friend, Epaphri, Epaphroditus. I've got a Greek friend called Epaphri. Fellow brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, relationship, responsibility and resilience. And I'm teaching this to secular people. Yeah, you know what? Everything flows from relationship. When we walk around this office, let's encourage each other. Hey, you're doing a great job. Love your gift. They've started doing it and it changes the whole atmosphere. I find now every restaurant I walk into, looks like I've been to a few, but it's not quite the story. <laughs> but every restaurant I walk into, if the service is good and they're kind, and I go up and thank them. I go into the kitchen and thank the chefs for the great food that they've cooked. And they look at you like, who are you? And as I was praying this morning, there's a word that came into my head that I, anything that comes into my head that I couldn't have come up with is probably God. And, and the word was warmth. The church needs to get warm. We need the warmth of your wanted here. You mean something to us. The warmth of my cousin's hug at that cemetery, words didn't even need to say anything, just the hug. And I pray today that as we build for the future, we won't just build programs, we'll build people and see people come to know Jesus. You know what? These guys saw the importance, number five of the key leader. They realised they need to be led. They were willing, number six, to work under authority. I wish I had time to teach you today about the difference between covering and control. Do you know how many people leave churches and go, I don't wanna be controlled. There's a big difference between covering and control. A covering protects and stops the storms hitting your head that come your way. I said to someone the other day, you're not at church. You're not in proximity. If it's raining and someone's holding an umbrella three streets away, you're still gonna get wet. There's an umbrella there, but it's three streets away. It's gotta be in proximity. It's gotta be in proximity. You know what I love about these guys? The guy that lost his ex, axe head, number seven, just one more. He was honest when in trouble. I'm glad he didn't run to his mates and go, when Elisha finds out, he's gonna kill me. Don't tell Elisha I lost the axe head. He went straight back to the leader that knew would do the right thing with him. What a great relationship. That's not a control. That's a covering. And then he co cooperated when given advice. He didn't argue with Elisha. He cooperated when given advice. 
Over the years, I've counselled that many people that already knew what they were going to do when they came for counselling. There was no point doing the counselling. They'd already made up their mind. But this guy did what Elisha told him to do. And that synergy between the school of the prophets and Elisha, over 20-something years ago, I made it a pattern. Saying, God, I want this the pattern of unity as we work together. I close with this. 2 Corinthians 12, 18. When I urged Titus to visit you and sent out our brother with him, another brother with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No, for we have the same spirit. We walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way. What a scripture. I call that DNA, divine, natural alignment. Mark and Nina, time's gone. But I believe there's an anointing in this house. I really do. And I, I fear the Lord. So I'm not saying this to sort of, maybe if I give him three prophecies, he'll invite me back again, you know. Maybe if I do four. No. I really feel that in the foundations of this house, there's an anointing to build that DNA, to bring about a divine, natural alignment. You're a couple that are not self-serving. Uh, you love the kingdom, but you love your people and the people love you. And so this thing that I've been preaching about this morning is, is more of a confirmation to who you are than giving you a teaching. All I'm saying is keep doing it, guys. My prayer today is that this church will never know a split, will never know a division down the middle. People come and go in every church, I understand that. But this church will be known for its love, for its fruit, and for its continuance of what a true disciple really is. Can we all stand? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. Father, I thank You today that You're building Your church. But I thank You there's a group of people in this room that go, we wanna partner with You, Jesus. We wanna build according to Your pattern, Jesus. Father, we don't want this just to be a build as a theme for a year. But this word build will be a declaration of the full existence of this house, not just in Pastor Mark and Nina's era, but future generations. I pray that the word over this house will be continued through generations. And I thank you, Lord, today that you're speaking to us. May we be totally encouraged today that we can be team emerge. We can be team build. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Have we got five?